This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. A chemical spill into the Elk River 10 years ago today contaminated drinking water for more than a quarter million West Virginians. We could smell the licorice early on in the day, so we didn't know what it was. We knew something had happened, and then we started to realize something very serious had happened. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. The West Virginia Public Service Commission staff says West Virginia American Water hasn't shared the information it requested regarding a November water leak and gas outage in Charleston. Curtis Tate has more. The PSC's staff filed a motion last week to compel West Virginia American Water to provide the information it requested in early December. PSC staff had asked the company to reply by December 26th. In its filing last week, the PSC staff says West Virginia American Water had failed to provide much of the requested information. It accused the company of throwing shade on the PSC staff's general investigation of the November event, which left hundreds of Westside residents without gas service, in some cases for weeks. West Virginia American Water, in a subsequent filing, says a meeting will be scheduled this week with the PSC staff to resolve the issues they raised. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. Ten years ago, a state of emergency and water advisory was issued for nine West Virginia counties following a chemical spill in the Elk River. Appalachia Health News reporter Emily Rice has more on the health effects of the past decade. In January of 2014, state environmental experts estimated that 7,500 gallons of a chemical called methylcyclohexane, methanol, or MCHM, from Freedom Industries, Inc., leaked into the Elk River. West Virginia American Water told more than 100,000 customers in Boone, Cabell, Clay, Jackson, Kanawha, Lincoln, Logan, Putnam, and Roan counties not to ingest, cook, bathe, wash, or boil water. Water in this coverage area was okayed only for flushing and fire protection. As of January 13, 2014, previous DHHR Secretary Karen Bowling announced at a press conference that 14 people were admitted to the hospital, 231 were treated and released. West Virginia Poison Control received more than 1,000 calls. No deaths were blamed on the spill. Paul Zimkavich, director of the West Virginia Water Research Institute, explained the chemical volatility. MCHM, which is, of course, uh, methylcyclohexane methanol. It's a um, relatively volatile compound, and when, when I say that, that means it tends to, uh, first of all, uh, float on top of the water, uh, and, and since it floats on top of the water and it's, and it's volatile, so it's lighter than water, less dense than water. So it floats on top just like an oil would, and, and it uh, ten, tends to be uh, volatile, which means that if you give it a chance, the, the MCHM disperses as a gas into the atmosphere. One of Zimkovich's crew was on site at Freedom Industries to study the spill in 2014. We uh, mobilized a crew, uh, one of uh, our, our crews here at the uh, Water Research Institute, to go downstream from the uh, spill point and measure how much uh, MCHM was found in the Elk and then the Kanawha Rivers. And 
what we found it was pretty much dispersed uh, fairly quickly and uh, was non-detectable by the time it got to the um, to the Ohio River. Zimkavich said one of the things that went wrong during the spill was that the water intake at the water treatment plant remained on, pulling the chemical compound along with water into the water distribution system for nine counties. So the MCHM uh, was essentially trapped in these pipes, distribution pipes, and it took a long time to flush that MCHM back out of the system. Mike McCauley is a clinical associate professor in WVU's Department of Occupational and Environmental Health Sciences. A group of his students volunteered to work in the Charleston area during the spill. Uh, Going around informing, helping to inform people and also taking information about what people were doing to kind of protect themselves. So it was uh, a time when we got to talk a lot more about uh, chemical exposures, environmental chemical exposures that people had not thought about before. Macaulay called it a time of stress and worry for the state. And it was a difficult time because both drinking and bathing were something that uh, people were worried about doing because they didn't know what the long-term health effects were. The 2014 water crisis spurred the creation of WVU's School of Public Health, which was previously the Department of Community Medicine. And then one of the recommendations that Dr. Gupta, in fact, made uh, was that there should be a School of Public Health at West Virginia University, which was the uh, impetus for uh, turning our Department of Community Medicine into a school, a whole school of public health. While the water crisis left thousands without water for weeks on end, McCauley said he has not heard of any long-term health effects from the spill. Long-term, I've not heard of anything. At the time of the spill, the short-term health complaint Macaulay heard most often was headaches. While some policies and practices have changed since the 2014 spill, Macaulay believes there is still plenty of room for improvement. There, there needs to be uh, regular good inspections and, and reporting that, that's done from that. Uh, we found that the leaks that were occurring didn't seem to get taken seriously uh, as soon as they possibly could have, we think. Macaulay also emphasized the need for inflammation as a symptom to be taken more seriously and to report any exposure to any chemical to a doctor. We know inflammation can lead to lots of things. Um, We don't know how much inflammation leads to what um, necessarily, but we know it, it leads to all sorts of nasty things. And so... Uh, we should keep it in mind and maybe make sure our, our docs know uh, that, yeah, this is this is part of my, my medical history. By January 17, 2014, the last of the Do Not Use water restrictions were lifted for the last customer area in West Virginia American Waters Kanawha Valley District. For Appalachia Health News, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. Appalachia Health News is a project of West Virginia Public Broadcasting with support from Charleston Area Medical Center and Marshall Health. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.50. Snow and freezing rain possible in higher elevations today. Rain and gusty wind with highs in the 40s and 50s. Breezy tonight with a chance of rain or snow, lows in the 20s and 30s. Windy tomorrow with a chance of rain or snow, highs in the 30s and 40s. Support for WVPB is provided by the Morgantown Farmers Market. 
fresh local produce, meats, eggs, and other farm products. Winter markets held at Milam Park December through April. Info at morgantownfarmersmarket.org. The water crisis closed schools and businesses and became a national story of corporate distrust and community action. But the news reports began on the local level. Callie Cart is now the Deputy Chief of Staff for the State Auditor's Office. Ten years ago, she was a reporter anchor for Channel 8 out of Charleston and one of the lead journalists covering the devastating event. Cart spoke with Randy Yowie about her water crisis coverage, especially a live interview that went viral before viral was a thing. So, Callie, you were at WCHS-TV at the time of the water crisis. What were your duties, and how did you first learn there was a water problem? I'm in the water crisis. I uh, was a reporter and also an anchor. We were actually getting ready to launch a 5 o'clock newscast, and so we... At WCHS, the station there on Piedmont Road, near um, Freedom Industries, actually, and we could smell the licorice early on in the day. So we didn't know what it was. We knew something had happened, and then we started to realize something very serious had happened. And then they called a press conference um, to issue the do not use order. What happened next? Well, that press conference was with... um, Governor Earl Ray Tomlin and the water company, um, and they, you know, were explaining to folks what they knew to have had happened at that point, that there was some chemical that had gotten into the water supply. They didn't shut off the uh, shut off va- valves in the river, and it had gotten into the water supply, and basically they had issued this widespread do not use order for, I think it was nine counties. Uh, folks in in nine different counties, and, you know, that covered hundreds of thousands of people. So the toxic chemical leak came from a Freedom Industries above-ground storage tank. Talk about your live interview with Freedom Industries President Gary Southern. That was the next day. We hadn't heard a word from Freedom Industries uh, since they had poisoned the water. So everyone was obviously anxious to hear what they had to say and to learn more about what had happened and to learn more about this chemical that we really didn't know a lot about. So it was a really scary time for people. Um, and and as you know, this could have been and it ended up being our one and only chance to hear from Freedom Industries um, about what was going on. So I obviously had a lot of questions. I uh, went armed with a lot of questions, as I always did in all stories. And to me, it was just a normal press conference. Um, he didn't really give us much information, but I, as I said, I went armed with a lot of questions, and so as he tried to wrap things up, I just was like, well, wait, we're not done here. Let's listen to a clip of the end of that interview you did 10 years ago. Are there no systems in place to, to alert you of a leak at your facility other than a smell? At, at this moment in time, I think that's all we have time for, so thanks for coming, thanks for what, We have whoa, more whoa, questions. Whoa. Hey, 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 no, no, we're not done. You're not done. <laughs> we're not done. Now, anyone else have any other questions? I was just doing my job, but that was one of the, I think it was like the first time that it started like live streaming um, it, it, uh, press conferences. That wasn't happening a lot 10 years ago. 
So after it got done, my phone started blowing up and people were texting me and calling me and I'm like, what happened? I'm a little bit confused. (laughs) What just happened? It kind of has become a journalistic touchstone in a way. Yeah, it really has. And that does make me proud. I mean, to this day, people will say, um, oh, I loved your Freedom Industries press conference, or you're the girl from the that press conference. Um, and, and whenever other journalists say it, I'm just, you know, it does make me proud because that's what we're supposed to be, is we're supposed to be advocates for the people that um, are in our community. And people do remind me of this, too, but I was about seven and a half months pregnant during that interview and during the water crisis. So I was in a, a interesting position um, being not only a journalist working for Channel 8, but also I was a victim and a victim in this kind of rare class of people um, because after several days they said, okay, you can use the water. And then the next day they said, wait, 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 everyone can use the water except for people who are pregnant. And so that was scary. And so a lot of people who were pregnant were turning to me to find out what's going on. And so we just didn't feel safe. And so that was an interesting position to be in. And then, you know, of course, going back to that interview, a lot of people were like, don't mess with the pregnant woman. She was mad. I was like, well, that was kind of my, uh, that was how I operated all the time. I mean, I was always prepared for interviews. So it really had nothing to do with me being pregnant and and grouchy. I probably was a little extra grouchy, but... (laughs) But I was, you know, as, as the time went on and I, and I realized kind of what was happening, I couldn't use the water in my own home. I then had the licorice smell at my house. Um, it was scary. So um, I did an interview with ABC News. I think I did a couple of other interviews um, talking about being pregnant. Yeah, I saw in the interview that uh, he was holding a bottle of water. That infuriated people because you could not get bottled water. So we weren't prepared. There was a run on grocery stores. You couldn't find bottled water. You couldn't find baby wipes. You couldn't find, because I was looking for something to wipe my makeup off at night because I didn't have a way to clean my face or anything else. So, um, yeah, him pulling out a bottle of uh, Aquafina or whatever it was definitely did not sit well with me. That was former Charleston TV news reporter, anchor Callie Cart, speaking with Randy Yowie on her coverage of the 2014 water crisis. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning. Mm-hmm.